0: trying out a new system here, and uh, we're not sure it's going to work. Yeah, it, will. It, will, it will, all right. Okay. Well, if you're not awake, now you are. You can be opening your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Last week, we kicked off uh, our study of the Gospel of Luke by looking really just at the first four verses, and we looked at the introduction uh, to Luke. And if you missed that sermon last uh, Sunday, I'll encourage you uh, to... Uh, I'll encourage you to uh, listen on our website, uh, BirminghamChurch.org.uk, to the introduction, because it gives you a great backdrop to what we're going to be learning uh, as we study the Gospel of Luke together, some of the major themes, and, and just really what Luke's intent was uh, when he recorded this Gospel uh, through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so uh, we talked about the certainty of the Gospel, and I thought, you know, what better way to illustrate that point, the certainty of the Gospel, than to have all the new Christians in the church this year uh, come up and share uh, about their newfound faith and something that they really appreciate uh, about their faith. Uh, and so, uh, at this time, I'd like to ask all the uh, new Christians of the church to come on up front here. Yes. Amen. Come on over here on this side of the stage. We've actually uh, seen we've actually seen eleven eleven new brothers and sisters in the church this year, uh, which is very exciting. And, uh, yeah, we need the mic. Um, Wherever they want. Yeah, we need the mic. That's fine. Put the mic there. Well, yeah, whoa, whoa. Make, yeah make one promise. at a time here. Um, <laughs> and just this past Wednesday, uh, Misha, who's here in the middle. Misha, if you can, can wave everybody. Misha, if you can wave everybody. Misha was just baptized just this past Wednesday. A, a few of them are out of town and not here tonight, but we're going to let uh, those who are here uh, just share, introduce themselves, share with you when they were baptized this year, and just share something about their newfound faith that they appreciate. We'll let Al start it out here. Hey guys, uh, so my name is Al, um, I was baptized nine months ago today, that's the uh, 4th of March, and what I definitely appreciate about faith is that I'm never alone, when I feel alone there's always God who's with me, so that's definitely something I want to do. Just leave it there, just leave it there. actually just go back to your seat, just take it like that. My name is and I was
1: baptized
0: in the 28th of Mm-hmm. Come on! Yeah, uh, ever since yeah, God's always been with me. Um, a few of you might not know, but I've seen my to football and recently been working for Pants research past eight weeks. And on my own, I have raised one hundred and yeah. twenty-five pounds for all white power boxing, which is an event that I did last night. And I boxed for two pounds and the most generous we raised two pounds a pound for, Pants research for charity. And anytime I'm not Thanks for the applause, God is always yours with me every step of the way. And you thank you for listening. Hi guys, I'm Nisha. I got baptized a few days ago on Wednesday, and I think that I appreciate about faith is that I found myself when I started looking for God, and for that I'll be eternally grateful. Hey, Amen. Awesome. on the 10th of September, um, And something that I appreciate about my faith is the fact that God has a perfect plan for me. So, um, like it says in Jeremiah 29:11, like he has plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you um, hope and a future. And this is really like encouraging to me because I know that i um, like living his way, that he's got a perfect plan for me and it's really exciting. Thank so, um, <laughs> you. That uh, I just had lack of boost of confidence, and then like, when we had the team running, uh, uh, some of my friends were actually able to come to that, so that was uh, really encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, my name is Thiele, mm-hmm. and I was baptized on the 18th of March. Mm-hmm. I, uh, the one thing I really appreciate about faith is knowing that uh, I'm always secure with God, like He's always with me and working through me. And I feel privileged to shine His light. <laughs> Hi, my name is Sarah and I was baptized on um, Sunday 6th November, which is a month ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I've got my faith is knowing that I don't have to go through life myself and i got God with me someone to talk to and um, someone who's very loving and eternal kingdoms kingdom to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm um, Andrew George, Lawrence, I got baptised on June 26th this year. Um, great day. Dave. Mm-hmm. Dave's back garden, I'm paddling pool, freezing hot. <laughs> yeah. um, one of my favorite things about my faith is that God gives me a lot of peace. Uh, every day, day to day, doesn't matter what it is, if I've got an issue, and go to God, and He'll always somehow find a way of helping me out. Yeah. I'm truly thankful for that. Yeah. Thank it. Well, it's very encouraging to see 11 newfound faiths in our church this year. It's so inspiring, and that's a great reminder, I think, of the power of faith. And the Gospel of Luke is going to really remind us, I hope, in many ways, of the power of faith. Uh, But the reality is, we all know, uh, as Christians, uh, when it comes to our faith, there's always a little bit of that lingering doubt in there. Even when we hear the new Christians speak, we can get get so fired up. But sometimes we we also know there's there's this lingering doubt sometimes in our hearts uh, and in our lives. Uh, It was once said of the church fellowship, Give me the benefit of your convictions if you have any, but keep your doubts to yourself, for I have enough of my own. (laughs) For the church to move forward in our faith, which I believe we are, and I believe it is very faith-building, you know, as we hear these new Christians share, we've got to continue to deal with our doubt. And that's the title of the sermon tonight, uh, Dealing with Our Doubt, uh, from Luke uh, chapter uh, 1, uh, verses 25, uh, verses 5 through 25. Um, So let's go ahead and read the text here together uh, after this great introduction of Luke. In verse 5 it says in the time of Herod king of Judea there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron both of them were righteous in the sight of God observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old verse 8 once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before the God he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense And when the time of the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Verse 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to you to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, in verse 21, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision of the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the the people. So let's talk here about dealing with doubt uh, from this uh, beginning of Luke's narrative here uh, in Luke chapter one, verses five through twenty-five. Uh, the context as the gospel story here starts is quite interesting. Uh, Jesus is about to be born. We're going to read about that in Luke chapter two, uh, and in the time in which Jesus is born, historically for Israel is quite significant. Um, uh, the prophet, uh, the prophet Malachi spoke um, about. Uh, uh, you know, this time that would come that we are now seeing being fulfilled, as Luke records it, uh, in Malachi chapter 4, these are the last prophetic words in Israel, in verses 5-6. through six. And uh, Luke refers to this uh, fulfilling prophecy here as the angels is talking to Zechariah. The prophet there said, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children, and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Uh, these are the last words prophetically uttered. Uh, and it's been a 400-year period since those words were uttered through the prophet Malachi uh, to now when John the Baptist is actually being born. And so John the Baptist is this one who will come uh, in the spirit of Elijah. And the text here uh, indicates uh, just that. Uh, and so God's apparent silence uh, in Israel has been going on in their minds for 400 years. And whenever we think God is being silent, that can make us doubt Him, certainly, right? Uh, and it's not just uh, God's apparent silence through, through this lack of prophecy. Uh, it's also about what's going on in the time. Uh, King Herod is ruling the Jews at this time. He's the ruler uh, of Judea. Uh, and King Herod is very famous for rebuilding the temple. Uh, But King Herod wasn't actually, uh, in his lineage, a true Jew. He was actually a descendant of Esau, uh, not of Jacob. And the reason he got to that point in many ways where he could be king of Judea was through marrying people who were more Jewish uh, than him. Uh, He was a brutal and paranoid king historically. Uh, He killed his sons out of paranoia that they might want to take over the throne from him. Uh, We also know in Matthew's account in chapter 2, he hears from the Magi that the king of the Jews has been born. And what does he do? He tries to find out where where that... baby was being born so he can kill uh you know uh uh, jesus himself and so uh he was a corrupt king of the jews so uh 400 years of silence, uh, a corrupt king. Uh, We also know, and and as we study the Gospels, we'll see this, that the priesthood in that time, uh, in many ways, was corrupt. It was very political. Uh, It was very much about money, uh, not really about glorifying God. Uh, And so Jesus is born into this kind of time where, in many ways, Israel is doubting God. uh, And the faith is not very high. Uh, And so God seems unconcerned and different, perhaps in the Jews' eyes, in this part part of time of history. And this is, of course, a breeding ground for doubt. Uh, We can relate to that. We can feel sometimes like God is not there. He's not speaking. He's not working. He's not doing what I think He ought to do. Uh, And oftentimes in those moments, uh, God often is working through things we don't actually realize He is working through. Uh, And here, uh, He is working through Zechariah and Elizabeth. A couple that no one would think uh, God would be working through. Uh, why do I say that? Well, it's interesting. Zechariah's name in Hebrew means Yahweh has remembered again, uh, which is quite interesting that that's the man that God starts to work through after these 400 years of silence. Um, but we learn he's a descendant of Abijah. Uh, there were 24 divisions of the priesthood at this point, and then those divisions were broken up into houses. And about in a house of priests, there'd be about 150 men. And so uh, one of those priests would be selected twice a day to serve inside the temple in the Holy of Holies. But that was cast by lot, And so Zechariah... Uh, is, is an older man now. It says uh, him and his wife were, were past the years of being able to bear children. Uh, they were likely married as teenagers, and so now they're probably in their their late forties, fifties, somewhere in there. You know, based on the kind of the life expectancy in that time, uh, no one would consider them ever having a baby, right? And so, so, so their lives uh, would be doubtful that God would be working through them, right, to bring this forerunner um, of the Christ. And certainly, uh, their lives are, are immersed in this very doubtful time. Uh, But here's Zechariah. He's chosen by lot. And he's faithfully serving as a priest. As he ought to be doing. Uh, And he shows up. And he does the duty that Aaron was first prescribed. In Exodus 30. uh, Verses 7 through 8. Uh, He was to go in and light the lamps. And trim the candles. uh, And and, and burn these incense before the Lord. And that was the first time Aaron. Who Zechariah and all other priests at this time were descendants of. uh, Was called to do just that. In Exodus 30. uh, Verses 7 through 8. Uh, uh, Zechariah will... Um, sorry, I'm one slide off today. I'm not sure what I'm doing there. Yeah, amen. Um, okay, sorry. Um, you can see here at the temple, this is not going to be very easy to see. Um, I don't have, a, I don't have a, a laser on this, no. Um, here in the temple you can see uh, at the bottom is the... Is, is the, is the Way at the bottom is the court of the Gentiles, which is kind of outside the temple on the porch, if you will. Uh, inside is the court of women. Uh, beyond that, uh, the Israelite men can serve. Then the, then the priest can be in the hall after that. But then the very inner part of that is, is what is known as the holy place. Um, and inside those dark curtain that kind of stand for curtains, is the holy place where, where Zechariah would have been when the angel Gabriel appeared. Uh, and what separates that is a curtain, right, that was torn in two when Jesus... Uh, down on the cross, which Roy referred to last week. And beyond that is the Holy of Holies, where where God's Spirit resided. So Zechariah is right by the Holy of Holies, uh, doing this thing that uh, uh, Aaron was called to do back in Exodus 30. Uh, And as he's doing this, the angel Gabriel appears to him. Uh, And of course, he gives him this good news, that that God is going to use uh, him and uh, Elizabeth uh, to bring about this forerunner to the Messiah. Uh, And of course, um, you know, His response is a pretty normal response considering the the climate of the time of doubt and even uh, Zechariah's age. You know, what does he say in verse 18? How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. You know, we we can relate properly to, to such a statement... By Zechariah, considering what he could see uh, by sight and, and what he had seen in history in Israel at this point in time. Uh, you know, and so we can understand this kind of doubt. Uh, and, and even when God sometimes gives us hope through the scriptures or through through life or seeing 11 new Christians, we can still relate sometimes to this doubt that comes in our own personal lives and the things that God wants to do us, uh, And what's interesting is in verse 20, the angel says, well, because you didn't believe me, you're going to be silent until your son John is born. Uh, which is uh, interesting and reminiscent of the 400 years of silence uh, that Israel had already received with no prophetic utterances uh, through that time. And so perhaps it's a symbolic reminder of the danger of doubt. Zechariah was blessed with this gift of a heavenly visitor with wonderful news, but he couldn't share it. Verses twenty-one to twenty-three, he comes out and he has this this incredible vision, but he can't tell anybody about it. And so, uh, I think in the same way, our doubt, our doubt ultimately, unless it turns into unbelief, it will it won't keep us from God's blessings necessarily completely. It won't shut us out of heaven, but it'll keep us from really getting to embrace. and and really enjoy all that our faith can bring us. It'll keep us from really embracing the good news uh, that we have in our lives. And I think there's a whole lot of symbolism there in what happens to Zechariah in the midst of his doubt. You know, there's too much doubt in all of us at times, and especially, of course, in this world. And so let's see what we can learn here uh, to deal with our doubt. Just two quick points here from the text uh, to learn to deal with our doubt. The first is delays aren't always denials. Delays aren't always denials. You know, like Zechariah here, uh, don't assume a wait from God means a no. You know, verse 13, uh, the angel Gabriel says that that God has heard your prayers. And you wonder, well, how long had Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed that prayer for a son or daughter to be born? Uh, the, the, The cultural climate in Israel at this time with barrenness was that that was a direct result of, of, of that husband and wife's sin. That was, the, that was the theological view at that time. And Zechariah and Elizabeth apparently had, had bought into that to some degree. Uh, yet the text says uh, of them, in verse 6, they were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. And so their childlessness, wasn't, it wasn't because uh, they weren't righteous people. Uh, and so they continued to pray this prayer that God somehow would bless them. Uh, with a child one day. Um, you know, waiting on God produces uh, more doubt or more trust in Him, depending on, on what we learn in that time. Uh, it has once been said, that's the quote up there, you know, doubt is a great shovel if it is used for to dig for real faith. And I think you can see that here, uh, in the midst of uh, Zechariah's doubt, uh, he's still been digging uh, for real faith. I'll never forget... Um, as a younger minister, uh, we, Mandy and I planned a church in, in the state of Virginia, in the, in the states, and, and uh, we had a campus ministry there at Virginia Tech, and we lived about 45 minutes from that university. Uh, and as God started to build that that ministry, we started to get busier and busier, and I would commute back and forth, and you know, half the church lived where we lived, and the other half was up there with the students, 45 minutes away in the mountains. Of, uh, of, of Virginia, there. And, and it became clear to us that we needed to move up there to really support that student ministry as it turned into, you know, from 5 to 10 to 20 to 30. It was about 40 students. It was very busy. Uh, and so we knew God wanted us to go up there. So we decided by faith to, to run out of our home and to go up there and run out of another place and figure that out, but to not let our real estate issues challenge us from from doing something by faith. So we, we went up there and God blessed the ministry. It grew from 40 to 50 to about 80 toward the end of that time there. Um, it was incredible. You see, God bless that decision to get up there and help it grow. Um, but I'll never forget the first six months of that, because the first six months of that, our house, we couldn't find a renter. We couldn't sell it. We were getting threatened by the banks to be foreclosed on. Our credit was going to be ruined. And I was thinking of Matthew 6.33, where Jesus says, you know, seek first the kingdom, and I'll, I'll take care of all your needs, you know. And here I am, facing bankruptcy, you know, and just moved up there for the kingdom of God, and and, and struggling, and praying, and asking God, right, to, to come through, uh, but as as I've said here, denials aren't you know delays aren't necessarily denials. And sure enough, uh, the the mortgage company put it, put in a moratorium, gave us more time. We found this amazing renter. These renters actually improved the house. Uh, we started making money on what, what they wanted to pay in rent, and so we started making an income. Uh, and the house actually got improved in that time. Uh, but it was a delay. You know, it, God didn't come through necessarily uh, in the timing that we thought that He would. Uh, and Zechariah's story to me is a great reminder of that, and I think we've all seen those points in our lives, right, where we are doubting God, that the, the, we're wondering why the delay is there, but 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 the delay isn't necessarily always a denial. Sometimes, sometimes the delay is a denial. Sometimes the delay is is a no, you know. But even, even if it's a no, well, that's God's will, and that's necessarily a bad thing if God says no. In the end, He must have a good reason, right? Uh, you know, it reminds me of uh, you know uh, Luke Luke eighteen. Um, the scripture I have there at the bottom, uh, Luke 18, verse 1, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, later on will study this, tells his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And that, of course, is the parable of the persistent widow uh, that he goes on to tell. Uh, and so I think we need to be encouraged in our personal lives. You know, we all, we all have things we hope for. I'm sure you have things you hope for right now that you even believe God would want to bring to you. That God would want to provide, that God would want to take care of in your life. But the delay may not be a denial. Uh, And again, even if it's a no in the end, that no is for our good. And our job is not to doubt God. Our job is to pray and never give up on those things we believe God wants to do in our lives. Uh, I also think it's a a great encouragement for us as a church to, to dream again. I think any older church has a real challenge... As, as the church ages spiritually, to, to get new dreams, and new visions, and, and new hopes, uh, but again, that doubt can creep in. Yeah, I've tried to go there before, I've tried to be that way, you know, in the past, and that doubt can start to creep in and keep us uh, from having new dreams together, and, and having a new vision uh, as a church. I, I really hope in our transition as a church, uh, 2017 will be a time where we will have some new dreams in this church, and we'll have some new visions uh, for what, what God wants to do in our lives. But amen, there may be some delays in those plans. There may be some delays uh, in those things that we put forward together and dream together for God. So, one way we can deal with our doubt is to remember God's delays are not always denials. Let's use our doubt to dig more and more for faith. Amen. Uh, and second, finally, tonight, you know, God also uh, helps us to deal with our doubt by making the impossible possible. By making the impossible possible. An old man and an old woman will conceive a child, right? And not just any child here, the forerunner to the Christ. Uh, That seems impossible at face value. And of course, but with God, all things are possible. And I love the contrast here uh, between what Zechariah says and what the angel Gabriel says. Uh, In verse 18, Zechariah says basically, hey, I'm old. She's old. How is this possible? But what is Gabriel's response? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I am old. I am Gabriel. Who's going to win that one in the end? You know, I think we all need a dose of, uh, you know, a good dose of reality of God at times uh, when it comes to our doubt. You know, we think, I cannot seem to repent. God's response is, I am God. You can change. We think, I don't seem to have enough faith to really share my faith and help people become Christians. God says, I am God. You plant in water, I will make it grow. We say, I'm discouraged. I I see only defeat and doom. God says, I am God. I will do good in this for you. Victory is on its way. We say, I'm not seeing a way forward here. God says, I will make a way. We say, I am lonely. I feel unlovable. God says, I love you and I am with you. Jesus' death makes that clear. You know, this battle in our heads is doubt versus faith, always. You know, how do we make progress in these faithless moments? Well, I think we learn a couple of things here from the text. Uh, the first is keep obeying. Keep obeying even when you doubt. You know, Zechariah, he doubts, and he voices that, and he has a little bit of a, a talking problem after that, right, as a result. Uh, but in the end, in the end, surely he believes. Something had to happen for his wife to be pregnant. I'll leave it at that. He has some faith to, to obey God to some degree. Or that never would have happened. And the impossible becomes possible. You know, sometimes we, we doubt. Uh, but we start to obey God anyway. But sometimes we we, we, we stop obeying too early. We, 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 we don't hang on. Uh, and then the victory doesn't come. A great illustration of that. Uh, a great illustration of that is found in 2 Kings 13. Uh, verses fourteen to twenty. You can write that down and look at it later. Uh, Elisha is on his deathbed, uh, a prophet of Israel, and Jehoash, the king of Israel, comes to him and, and, and wants to get a final blessing from him. And Elijah says, "Take the bow in your hands to the king of Israel." And when he had taken it, it says, uh, Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elijah said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory over Aram, Elijah declared. You will completely destroy the Armenians at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. Elijah told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. Then it says, Elijah died and was buried. (laughs) That's so but it's a great illustration, I think, of that of that challenge. Right? We say, "Okay, God, I want to I want to go. I want to overcome. I want to have faith." And we start to obey God in a certain area in a certain way, and we start to make that step. Right? But then we but then we start to feel awkward. We start to feel uncomfortable. We get a little bit too out there our faith in our minds, and we don't keep obeying, and we pull back. You know, we keep striking the ground, looking at our eyes, and just thinking, "What's the point of this?" Or well, I don't. And the victory is not the victory where would have been had he kept striking the ground. So there's biblical illustrations you know, of this kind of point. You can find them in the Old and the New Testament. To overcome our doubt, we just got to keep obeying sometimes. And the other thing here is we got to step into the impossible. Sometimes to see the impossible become possible, we got to step into the impossible. It's interesting, uh, another uh, proof text of this point is Joshua 3 in the Old Testament, verses 1 through 7 uh, and verses 15 through 17. Uh, Israel is now, uh, this new generation is, is, is literally about to enter into the promised land. Moses has died, Joshua is the new leader, and, and they're told they have to you know, cross the Jordan and, and, and first attack Jericho. But the problem is the Jordan is at flood stage, it says in Joshua 3. And, and, and they don't know how to get across it. And God says, tell, tell the priest to step into the, the Jordan. And once they step into the Jordan, i will back up the waters. And sure enough, that's exactly what happens. But the water does not back up in Joshua 3 until the priest literally set foot into the river. And then, it says, the water backs up uh, a ways down uh, the bank there. You know, we can and will deal with our doubt if we're willing to take often that first or next step of faith. And there's a video here I want to play, uh, an oldie but a goodie, uh, to illustrate uh, this very point from Anita Jones and the Last Crusade. His father is dying, and he's got to get uh, to uh, uh, this miracle water to save his father's life in Sean Connery. But he comes to this chasm, and he has a test of faith, right? illustration you know he's he's in this press he's at this pressing point his father is dying he has the little the little you know archaeological handbook to figure out what the next step is and uh, and he has to cross this chasm but as he sees the chasm he can't see a bridge and he actually says there you know in the clip he says this this is impossible Right? And that's oftentimes, you know, what we feel sometimes about what we think God wants to do in our lives. That, yeah, I don't really know if he really could do that. I'm not really sure he would really want to do that in my life. We start to feel the same kind of effect. And what's interesting in the way they shot the scene is is the bridge was actually there. It was just camouflaged. He just couldn't see it. And he couldn't really see it and really understand that it was there until he takes that first step. And isn't that so true in our lives as well with our faith? Is oftentimes it's there. The the way forward is there. God God is opening the doors, but we got to walk through. We got to take that first step. And one of the things that we often do uh, that we think is actually maybe the next step, rather than actually doing something, is just do something Religious. You know, instead of really actually doing something in our faith, we say, "Well, let me just let me just pray about it, let me just trust God, let me just." But we, we don't move forward sometimes with that religious, you know, that religious camouflage, that religious, you know, tactic. When sometimes God is saying, "No, you don't. You don't need to pray anymore. You need to move forward. You need to take a step of faith." You know, when was the last time you actually took that kind of step of faith? i tell you, moving to Birmingham from Australia was that for me and my family. I mean, I came here, I loved you guys, but it was still a big step of faith for us. Um, and, 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 and now that I kind of took that first step and I'm here, despite being sick for a week, I believe I'm ready to take another step, you know, and be here for a while. And God's going to work through that step. And, and I'm very encouraged by taking that step. But if I hadn't taken that step, I wouldn't be able to say that right now to you. I wouldn't be able to journey further in my faith. And I think we get stuck a lot in the church because we stop living by faith. We start living by sight. And our doubt oftentimes is what feeds that very thing. And so if we're struggling with doubt, maybe it's really not about your theology. Maybe it's really not even about your quiet time at this point. It's just about making some decisions to be faithful, to do something in the name of Jesus that you know you need to do, that terrifies you, that scares you. But you know God would want to bless that. And God would want to be like that bridge for you that we just saw in the illustration. I hope we'll see more of that kind of faith in this church. I believe that kind of faith is what has built this church. And I believe that's the kind of faith that's going to bring this church forward, no matter what we're going through and no matter what uh, the future may bring. And if you're visiting with us, you know maybe you're wrestling with becoming a Christian, maybe you're not even sure uh, if you believe in God. Um, I want to encourage you, God's people struggle with doubt too. Uh, You know, and and if doubt is your challenge, uh, you know, like us, you can overcome your doubt by simple faith and obedience. Becoming a Christian in many ways is just about having faith in God and obedience uh, because of that faith. You know, tonight, no matter where we're at, if we're in the midst of of challenging and doubt casting moments, we're in a great place. We're actually in a great place uh, to have faith, to see the impossible become possible. And it's interesting, um, in Luke 18, uh, verses 26 to 27, uh, the rich young man comes into Jesus, and he doesn't want to sell off of his possessions, so he walks off sad. And the, the disciples, they're all freaking out, like, if this guy can't be saved, who can be saved? And they're, they're having a, you know a doubting moment there. And Jesus says to them, what is impossible with men is possible with God. You know, just like the disciples here uh, in Luke 18, which we'll read later, sometimes only in the context of doubt do we often discover the deeper truths of faith. And so if we're we're struggling with some doubt, uh, which is normal as a Christian, that's actually a great place to grow in your faith and see God break through. Uh, And what I love about Zacharias, he's a a great illustration. He's a great illustration of that point. If you go on uh, in the text, we won't read it tonight, uh, but in Luke 1, uh, verses 57. Uh, through uh, eighty, uh, the text uh, in chapter one finishes uh, with John the Baptist being born, and Zechariah faithfully saying his name is gonna be John. That's the first thing that he says, right, uh, out of his mouth. And then it ends with this this faith, you know, this this you know faith building song of Zechariah singing about what God is doing, how God is working, and so so, so Zechariah he's he's now full of faith. He's full of faith uh, through this transition. In his life. Uh, God has made the impossible possible. As Zechariah has entered into this situation. Uh, his faith indeed has grown. Uh, you know as David as David said uh, of God. 2 Samuel 22. Verse 26. To the faithful. You show yourself faithful. At the end of Luke chapter 1. God hasn't changed at all. God was always faithful. Zechariah has changed. He has become faithful. Faithful. You know, in the midst of our struggles and strains in the Christian life, uh, may we deal with the doubt and grow in our faith. Our faith will grow better and more often when we remember that God loves to make the impossible possible. And our obedience and our faith can help us to get to that point to see that. And that God's delays aren't always denials. You know, let's deal with our doubt. Let's grow in our faith. And the Birmingham Church of Christ said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.